0: this week hasn't this promoted the most uh huge thing where did that come from so anyway it is uh it is census week when Jesus was born it was also census time and I was thinking about that today I'm thinking right well I lived in if I lived in Jesus time and it was census you know if we still did the same census the way I'd be in a donkey right now on the way to air and uh because you know I'm a Burdekin girl, yeah. Only lived there for a year, but so. And I imagine that if I if I'd set out yesterday, I'd probably still be on a donkey to air. So, uh, <laughs> and probably not feeling too much of my body because it wouldn't be <laughs> wouldn't be doing too well. But anyway, it is Census week, and I've been thinking about that, and the question has come up for many people, and if. um, With my sort of friends that i have on facebook and and there's been some differing things around people questioning about this asking people what is your religion and i don't know whether you're aware but uh, since the last census it used to be when it got to that question that it would probably make an assumption that you were a christian and then it would list the churches and you would just tick the church that you belong to and then down underneath that would be no religion But now they've swapped it around so that no religion is actually your first option because they acknowledge that probably in five years Australia has taken a bit of a shift and there will probably be a lot more people who are ticking that box, no religion. So I've started to think about this and I've been wondering when we get the census results, what will Australia say? What's Australia going to say this time? What have you said when you filled it out? And then I was reading the Bible, and uh, I noticed when I read the Bible that Jesus often asks a lot of questions. I don't know that Jesus thinks I'm a census person and I'm going out to ask questions, but he does. I challenge you to look up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and if you own the Bible, which I hope you do, and if you haven't got one, let me know, underline all the questions that Jesus asks, because sometimes they're extremely random, and he doesn't often just walk up to someone and, and just uh, head into the comfortable space. You he, he find, often find Jesus asking really random, pointed, poignant questions. For instance, when he saw the blind man on the side of the road who's yelling out and screaming out for help, you, you know, we've heard this before, Jesus first question to him, what do you want? We'd probably think that was probably fairly... Obvious what a blind man begging on the side of the road would want. But Jesus wanted the man to articulate what it was that he wanted. So Jesus had this habit of asking these random questions. And uh, he, in this portion, what well, I'm going to read in the book of Matthew, um, the first book of the New Testament, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, are different people's perspectives of the life of Jesus. And so in a lot of these books, we see the conversation that Jesus was having with people. And this is one conversation that he had. So it said that when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, here's the question, the first question, who do people say that I am? Taking a bit of a census, wasn't he? Who do people say that I am? And so they replied, Well, some say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Come back. Some say, still others say that you are Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asks another question. Before he'd said, what do other people say that I am? Who do other people say that I am? Then he says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? What about you? And then it says that one of the followers, one of the disciples, Simon Peter, answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So this was a question about the identity of Jesus, who Jesus was. Now at this point in time, when they got to this area in Caesarea Philippi, it wasn't necessarily an area where people were really receiving Jesus as he was meant to be received. It had been talked about this Messiah coming, but a lot of people just hadn't quite grasped it, including the 12 disciples who were with him. They were all sort of wondering about it all as well. But this was about his identity. And obviously there was a lot of people in that area who had all sorts of opinions about who they thought this Jesus was that people were talking about. Now, you know that... um, You take a cross-section, of course, when we get the census results, there's going to be a whole lot of people's opinions on all sorts of things. I'm hoping no one's going to challenge me about how many hours of housework that I did that week. And uh, just as an aside, I was talking to Major David on the phone, uh, and I said, have you made sure you've done the census? And he said, yeah, but I'm feeling a bit gypped. I said, oh, why why are you feeling gypped? He said, well, if I'm at home, I do heaps of housework. I'd be able to put down there that I'd done 15 hours housework but this week when I'm actually having to answer the census I'm living in a hotel and uh, having my meals provided for me and I'm not doing anything. So if I'm going to be really honest and have integrity here, I've got to put zero and it's not sitting right with me. So anyway, that's just nothing to do with what I wanted to say but that's Major David. But when the census results comes out, or anything really in life, isn't there lots of people have a view? Lots of people have, a, have an opinion. And when there are stories going around, you know how Chinese whispers can start off like this, some facts, and all of a sudden there's some huge thing that's happened that all started with some tiny little thing. Rumours, gossip, opinions, all sorts of views, they go around. And here in this portion, We actually discover that there were obviously lots of people who thought they knew something about Jesus. Yeah, well, I reckon he might be Elijah, that he's come back to life and he's here with us now. Or one of those other prophets. They always, they all had opinions and they went on with who they thought. None of them, you'll notice, initially what they said others were saying, none of them said, oh, well, some people are saying you're the Messiah. The disciples didn't report that. The disciples didn't say, yeah, well, some people say that you're the saviour of the world. They didn't report that. They said, one of the prophets, John the Baptist. But here Jesus was with these disciples, and let me tell you, they all had their L plates on as well. They weren't really fully in tune with who fully Jesus was. They were learning. They were learning as well. It was as if they had their L plates on. We sometimes get the wrong impression around these 12 guys who hung with Jesus. We sometimes think, oh, they must have just been, you know, just full-on, you know, really righteous, good people. But they were really ordinary people that, God cho- that Jesus chose. And when most of the time that we see them, right up until the time of Jesus' death, they were scrambling, scrambling, trying to understand all the stuff that Jesus was saying about himself. Just like you and i are sometimes we don't always have a really clear picture do we we still can be trying to discover all that we need to know about jesus so these disciples jesus is saying to them well who do people say that i am they were probably wondering yeah well you know we don't want to say it maybe out loud but we're not sure either we're trying to work it out too we hear what you say we see the way you heal people and the way You speak about, you know, God and heaven and everything, but we're still trying to work it out because they were pretty ordinary people. Um, Some of them were very uneducated. They hadn't traveled a lot. Um, There was a political agitator in their midst. There were fishermen. There was a guy who was a dishonest tax collector. And uh, they were just really ordinary people. But Jesus had chosen them for a very special reason which we have seen as history has gone on and on. Jesus had called them to follow and he just seemed to love to hang out with them and to teach them and to talk to them. Who are you hanging out with? Jesus invested in those 12 and it's sometimes a challenge to me when I read that and I see the way Jesus was patient and tolerant and listened to them and challenged them and I think to myself. Who am I hanging out with? Or who hangs out with me that challenges me, that shifts my thinking, that reminds me of who Jesus is? It's just a bit of an aside. Who are you hanging out with? And what's their influence on you? So Jesus asked that question about what other people are saying, but then he made the question so much more personal and pertinent because he then turned it to themselves. And he said, he was more or less saying, you know, it's not so much about what other people are saying about Jesus, about me. Jesus was saying, I want to know what you, what you think about me. I want to know what, what the question is. What about you? Who do you think I am? And I sort of read that and I think, well, how would you feel, you know, sitting there and Jesus has given you that question. About you don't just talk about other people what about you who do you think i am what would you say about me and here you're thinking wow oh, i thought i was a follower and you know um starting to big note yourself maybe and jesus brings you down to size a bit and asks you the question what about you who do you say that i am and then this next verse after the question is actually a really famous verse in the Bible because it was seen as a turnaround point for this guy, Simon. And he then replied to that question of Jesus and he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was all really new to Simon. These were early days. And he said to that question, you, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Whoa, where did that come from? And Jesus thought that too. Because his reply was, you know what, Simon? You didn't get that from any of those people that you talked about. You didn't even really know that yourself. God's revealed that to you. That's a spiritual revelation that's come into your life. That you testify. I know who you are. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And there weren't too many people, my friends, who were saying that about Jesus. And so that's a great declaration. And it resulted in Jesus changing his name. You're no longer Simon, you're going to be Peter. Whenever you read in the Bible about someone's name being changed, take note. It always means something very specific. And Peter meant rock. You are going to be called Peter and on you I'm going to build my church and the gates of, H- of Hades will not be able to withstand it. The gates of hell will not be able to prevail. Nothing will be able to overcome it and you will have the keys to the kingdom. You will discover the secrets of what it means to follow me. What a declaration Simon gave. Just to finish I heard the story of a, um, a guy who'd done 50 years as um, a minister in a, in a church. Now, I've done nearly 30, but this guy had done 50. And he was having a big celebration. This was in um, London many, many years ago. You'll know, um, I'll, I'll you know, grant you my age when uh, I tell you some, another character in the story. But he was having this big celebration. Lots of people were coming along to help him celebrate what he'd achieved, 50 years as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he had a friend, a famous actor at the time, and that actor's name was Richard Burton. So I've immediately, uh, about two-thirds of you are going, nothing, I've got nothing. I don't know who he is. He could be the owner of the IGA down the road for all I know. Uh, But Richard Burton was a very famous actor and... um, he had a few uh, notorious things he was made of, he, uh, he was known for, married the same woman twice and I think she'd had seven marriages or something, Elizabeth Taylor. But um, Richard Burton was a very famous actor at the time and he did a lot of Shakespeare. And uh, those of you who do know Richard Burton, come on, the two of you, put your hand up. Yeah, that's good. Oh, there's more. Oh, good. Oh, thank goodness I've got friends. Okay. So he knew Richard Burton and he invited Richard Burton along to this celebration. And he said when you come richard i want you uh to do a recitation um and and richard burton thought he would ask him to do a piece of shakespeare at this celebration but the minister said i'd love you to recite um one of the psalms and so richard burton of course took it very seriously and rehearsed and uh, they announced that richard burton was going to come up and recite one of the psalms from the bible and uh, he came up the front and he recited Psalm 23, which is only about nine verses, I think. But he's got such a voice of an orator and very articulate in the way he presents and, you know, his posture and everything. And when he'd finished reading it um, or speaking it, there was thunderous applause and people stood to their feet and, you know, applauding him for, for what he'd done. It was so good. And uh, Richard Burton received it all in the manner to which it was being given. And then he said, I'm, I want to invite my friend, the minister, to come and recite it now as well. And the minister stood to his feet and Richard Burton sat in the front row next to another, another man. And the minister stood up and started to speak Psalm 23. Now I don't know whether you're familiar with it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. And on it goes. And at the end of the recitation by the minister there was absolute quietness and people were crying. And the man next to Richard Burton leaned over and said to Richard, what's the what's the difference? You got up and thunderous applause and You know, standing ovation. He says it, the same, the very same words. There are only a few verses. And you you can hear a pin drop and there's crying. What's that about? And Richard Burton responded, I know the psalm, but he knows the shepherd. And that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference. There is that question on the census about religion, but there's also the question that Jesus gives us that is not about religion, but about relationship. And we are called not to tick a box about having a religion, but we're called to answer a question. What is your relationship with Father God? All over our city tonight, There will be people putting a cross against no religion. Doctors, teachers, housewives, men and women, uni students, mothers, fathers, the proud, the humble, the rich, the homeless. There will be all sorts of people saying, yep, no religion all across our city. There might be even people here who are still wondering, what's that question about for me? How would I answer it? But you know, it will not be so much about being asked the question of Jesus, who do people across this city say that I am? And you saying, oh, Jesus was a good man or a great storyteller or he healed people or he's an historical figure. It will be Jesus saying to us, What about you? Who do you say that I am? And with that one question, he invites us into relationship with him, the good shepherd, the shepherd of the flock, that is us. I'm going to ask the band to to come up. One of the things though that I want to challenge you with is not only to take the time to answer that question honestly, and with intention about what does Jesus mean to me. But what about the challenge that we would think about the people that we know in our life who right at this moment are putting a cross against no religion. Because when we are in relationship with the Father our challenge is to give an answer for He who we love and he who we are in relationship with, to those who do not know him. The first book of Peter, chapter 3, verse 15, says to us, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Say the answer of who he is to you. And if he is your Lord, then always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And do it with gentleness and respect. I invite you in your own heart to confirm your own answer to the question and then to seek God about who who you need to be presenting the person of Jesus to in your conversation, in your relationships with others, in the way you live, in your family, in your workplace, with the people that you have influence over. And may God himself Our Father God, continue to convict us about who he is and how we are to follow him. We're going to pray as we close and the band will provide this song. And as we always do, we we invite you to respond as if Jesus himself were standing here and saying, What about you? What's your answer to that question? Who I am. And if you need to come and kneel and pray or find someone after, after we finish TNC, whatever to do, make a commitment to do anything that will help you to discover who Jesus is for you. Let's just have some time in, in thought.